Boardwalk Times Multiverse of Marvel is a podcast where we discuss the latest Marvel TV episodes as they're released on Disney+. This is your spoiler alert. Welcome to Night Fever, our official Moon Knight after show podcast. I'm Giovanni Delgadillo, a columnist for the Boardwalk Times. I'm Julia Delbell, an author at comingsoon.net and the director. I'm Luce Lumi, a contributor for the Boardwalk Times. So this was quite a chaotic episode of Moon Knight, if I do say so myself. Uh, probably my favorite, actually. I came off the last episode saying the exact same thing. So this series has steadily improved, like, at least in my mind. I don't know what you guys think, but I'd like to hear what were your thoughts? Like, what was your first reaction? I, as for someone who watched it just like all the way through continuously to this episode, I really liked it just because it kind of felt like the momentum was building up and it came to like this point where we're we're revealing like, you know, what's exactly Mark and Steven's problem or like, you know, what is the point that's driving this, you know, like a little bit of context behind it all. I personally liked the past few episodes just because of the whole Middle Eastern aspect and it being in Egypt and the music. But I really liked this episode when it came to story and like plot wise, where because I'm a big character development person, I love when things slow down and people go over their trauma and there's crying and you're just like, oh my God, I love seeing people in pain. So <laughs> I love it when it comes to story development. I love it with characters. So I really did enjoy this episode as well. I'm the opposite of you because other than the first episode, which I watched on the day of the podcast, I haven't seen any Moon Knight episode because I had the first four in advance since middle of March. So this was the first new one I was watching with everybody. So it had been a while since I'd seen an episode and I thought this was really good. And I'm glad I didn't forget anything. They did do a previously on at the beginning. That was very nice. But yeah, I think it was good. Um, I have to say this was like a lot like the WandaVision episode where she goes through her memories. Honestly, maybe a little too much like it because they've done so many episodes like this because they kind of did the same thing in Loki with that first episode where he's looking at his memories. It's I like that they're exploring the characters and I want them to do more of it. It's starting to become a little formulaic in the way that they're doing it, I think. I don't know if it's because they this was written before they'd seen those episodes or if they got inspired without knowing or anything, but I think I want to I want to see more of that kind of thing, but in different ways. I think you're right, actually. Do you think they're doing it because they're trying to catch uh, the stories up really quickly, since these are technically origins, but some of them for existing characters? And in this case, it's implied that uh, Mark Spector has been Moon Knight for a while. And so then they kind of like quickly catch up the audience in one of these uh, very trauma filled episodes, like uh, Musco was saying it. I literally just wrote an essay about uh, discovering trauma through media. But anyways. <laughs> in a way yes I actually agree that Julia brought up a really good point it, it feels a bit like form like formulated how they're doing it because yeah we have WandaVision doing the same and Loki and I think that's Marvel's biggest problem honestly they like kind of fall into a routine when something works and they just like go with it but I and I I do think that media is tending to fall on like traumatics like if it's not trauma it doesn't like you know sell well 
I don't necessarily agree with that because like shows like Euphoria and 13 Reasons Why do it poorly in my opinion. I just think in general with Marvel they're never going to make it as traumatic as those kinds of shows. I I would say it probably would fall in line like Spider-Man No Way Home where we see like this devastating thing happen to a character and we're ultimately still invested because we want to see the character succeed. So for the same reason, I think like everyone wants to see Mark and Steven succeed. <laughs> Let's hope Steven's still there, but <laughs> we really do want them to be happy. So just seeing them go through immense pain just kind of, I think, reinforces that. I think with the, I think this is like, we're saying like, they're not going to go as deep as like Euphoria. I think this is about as close as they can get right now, this episode, because people were saying, wow, this was dark for Marvel. Um, and yeah, this was. So I think that's about as close as we're going to get. Um, I just think there's been a lot of trauma within Marvel lately. And like, it's, I think it's almost too much at once. Like, I like that Marvel can dip in different genres and like different tones and everything and still be the same universe. But like a lot of the tone has been dark lately. And I'd like more of a, maybe like a mix. I'm looking forward to Ms. Marvel and She-Hulk for that reason, because it's going to be, I think, more fun. Um, and just like, they're still going to deal with like their issues and stuff. And like they should, but like, it's going to be presented in a different tone. Like, you know how Ragnarok was, I know some people don't like Ragnarok for this reason, but like the end of the world, but it was like wrapped up in kind of like different tone. It was like, yeah, it's happening, but we're being positive and it's like everyone's coming together and everything. Like, I'd like some more of that. Hopefully Love and Thunder will kind of be like that too. But like, it's just been like, it's kind of been like a trauma dump lately with Marvel and it feels like it's been like the same kind of thing, like same vibes over and over lately. And, And I know that's not every project, like a lot of the big ones, that's kind of what's been happening. So I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm getting a little burnt out on that say too but I was I very much like this episode I'm sounding negative but like I really I very much like this episode I think it's just it just coming like it just loses out a bit because it's been so much of this and like it feels repetitive now kind of because it's been like for the past year it's been a lot of this so no I think that's totally fair um we because I have noticed again that media is just shifting more towards traumatic um content just because they they see that it does so well. Like there's a reason why Euphoria was literally all people could talk about. Um, So I think that I definitely agree with you. It's just been kind of, they're following a media trend and they're going with it. I think what really sells this one is just Oscar Isaac. He does a great, great job. And he honestly was, he's just amazing to watch on screen and him, like diving into this like different altar is very interesting to watch. And I, I enjoy it so much because I love Oscar Isaac. I'm completely there with you. And I find all this talk very, very interesting because there are some people who are mad that they're not pushing Moon Knight far enough because of the comic book history of the character. And he, it's not that his past is traumatic. It's that the character is extremely dark. Like he's very aggressive. So I was like, I could see I could see some of the you know disappointment but at the same time at least in this episode they've proven that they are doing the origin pretty close to the comics they even mentioned Bushman who for those who don't know Bushman is Moon Knight's arch nemesis in the comics and they this is their origin is that they went on a mission together and Bushman pretty much betrayed everyone and I found it really interesting that there is a lot of blood in this show for it being you know, a Marvel Studios production, 
that kind of surprised me. Like even in this episode, you see Mark, you know, dragging himself through the desert and you see this trail of blood behind him. And it's just like, okay, I didn't think you'd be allowed to do that, but go ahead, I guess. So that's like the darkest they're getting. I, I think they are kind of pushing it, which is good for this story, but I do agree. It's interesting that, that you guys are mentioning this stuff as I just watched the new Better Call Saul episode, no spoilers, and that was absolutely devastating. But <laughs> and yeah, it, it's, um, I don't know. It's interesting that Marvel's pushing uh, their characters this far, uh, especially WandaVision. That was like the first thing we got from phase four, really. And it was basically that. It was just trauma. So it's interesting then that with Mark, I wasn't expecting it to be childhood trauma and it, and it made a lot of sense. They, they went into uh, DID. So he has his altar that he created himself to deal with trauma, which is like, wow, that's actually really sad. Like, and it makes Steven a little bit sad too, because of his purpose. Um, I don't know if you implied this with what you just said, but DID, a lot of people end up with DID because of childhood trauma. So when they say he created Steven, I don't think it was conscious, but I think it's like, like his mind created Steven. But the thing was, it was a little, it wasn't entirely clear if Steven was meant to be the person taking the trauma or the one like to live without the trauma, because like he didn't remember getting beaten by the mom. So I'm guessing he switched back to Mark before then, because they're saying, you know, that scene, like I, that part was confusing to me. You're absolutely right, actually, now that you mention it, because... So uh, once they heard a transition back to Mark beforehand. Yeah, they probably did, because that, that like, seems absolutely. to make sense. But yeah, so I guess that makes... I guess that's it. But like, yeah, so they... Because the, the altars are created based on usually like childhood trauma. And a lot of the times with DID, there's a lot, a lot of altars, and it's complicated and everything. I get why they would not do that in this, because... Yeah, it's we only have six episodes and like, yeah, there's a lot to do. And like, I don't think the comics even had that many altars. But yeah, so I'm I'm glad they acknowledge that in this episode. Yeah, I agree. I honestly, yeah, going into this, I didn't know much about DID. And I do know that a couple of people are talking about the portrayal of it in finally like not a negative light in the media rather than just, you know, a simple reaction to trauma. Uh, so I, I am enjoying it with the limited knowledge that I have. Obviously I did my uh, research after watching the show, but I hope that that will start the conversation because media is supposed to do that. You're supposed to watch something like that's interesting. I want to learn more and then you get a better understanding of it. So I did appreciate it. So speaking of altars, I think we get a hint at the third one in this episode. It was more obvious and blatant in the last two, but in this one, there's one scene in specific that I'm referring to where Mark suddenly goes in like this frenzied rage whenever he's talking to quote unquote Dr. Harrow and, and it looks like he's about to kill everyone in the room and, and it sounded like he changed his accent or like it went heavier or darker. I don't know if, if I'm just completely you know, losing it over here, but that's kind of what I got from it was that it was not Mark anymore. I want to know if you guys thought that. that. A lot of people said that. We didn't hear the change though, so that's why I'm like, mm. I do think there is a third altar because of the sarcophagus last episode, and there's a couple of moments where Mark and Steven don't know about the other person, and it's probably going to be Jake Lockley. 
my only thing is after this episode, after the way this episode ended, it I don't see how a third altar already existing at least makes sense. I was kind of surprised that wasn't the balancing act, was becoming whole by them learning about each other and then learning that they have their third altar who's a psychopath, which is why they're able to kill. It makes sense, right? Because Mark is, is a violent guy, but what if he created a third guy so that he can just openly, bleh, you know, go crazy, which speaking of going crazy we see steven go crazy this episode that was funny (laughs) steven um that poor man i honestly (laughs) feel so bad for him the fact that he is like the most innocent out of all of his alters i think really speaks to everyone because that he just needs to be protected from his own mind as well mark stop being mean to steven please but i think that probably they're hinting at a third altar except i don't know if it's going to play a factor in this season or this show it'll probably be the ending or the post credits yeah so much to next week yeah i think that they're not going to play it into the plot right now just because like it's hinted at but i know i feel like marvel is doing this because they know comic book fans understand those references so they're like oh like be prepared this might come you know so I think that's where where they're going with it yeah I think you guys are right I don't think they're gonna show him there's way too much to wrap up in one episode left that I don't think they're gonna end it that way or like just have him show up out of nowhere so it's interesting I was gonna mention this earlier but might as well now i find it interesting that mark's trauma is born of accidentally killing his uh brother which is very similar to heavy rain the same thing happened in that story uh with one of the main characters and then the same thing happened in spoiler alert uh peacemaker which came out like not even two months ago and i, I don't know why i didn't click until after someone pointed out the connection to heavy rain i'm like yeah, I knew this sounded familiar, and then it just hit me. I was like, wait a minute. That's because we just watched something like this. Obviously, the context is different, and the way everything goes down is completely different. But yeah. We know it's not like them doing the same thing for, like, it might just not, it's not a formula because it's not the same studio, and they're made around the same time, so they didn't know each other was doing it. They're not copying each other. So, yeah. I think in those cases, honestly, it's, it, it creates like a bigger a bigger mic drop because nobody can fathom killing your own sibling like strangers and whatever I think you know if you build up to it people will say you took someone's life but like your own brother and everything obviously this is an accident but I think it has more of an impact on that there's like reason there's even biblical stories about the referencings of you know I already forgot the word fratricide. Yeah. But I think it's a really, really interesting point to like, or interesting development that we're seeing. But I, I can see why that would be the, the driving trauma for Mark. It's also cool that they actually give us a glimpse in the last episode as to why and how he created the character of Stephen Grant because of that movie that he used to watch as a kid. And so that makes this whole 
uh, psych ward is what they keep calling it. Uh, it feels like it's coming out of Mark's mind more than Steven. But then he's like, oh, this can't possibly be me or whatever. I think Steven was the one who was saying that. And then, but then when he's talking to Harrow later, Steven, uh, or he tells Steven that he's the one who brought them there. And he's like, what? No, there's no way. Like, what's going on? Ah. So I don't know. Clearly, it's just them thinking, it's like Mark says, we're crazy. Like, for um, alters to be based on fiction sometimes like it doesn't always it's not like I guess it's not the most common thing but like it is that does happen a lot um based on like fictional characters sometimes it's just inspired by sometimes it's like the actual characters happened but yeah that happens uh, I was just gonna say I found it interesting that the scales also were going nuts in this episode like when uh he was judged by Harrow like four episodes earlier and he says there's chaos in you so I found that really cool it's like oh so the Amit's judging kind of works the same way Although I found it interesting that Tower, it's like, oh, this hasn't happened in a while. What? Like, so wait, what? I guess the point is that he died inside a, a you know, tomb, the Egyptian tomb with Alexander the Great. I don't know. Like, what? Like, what does she mean by that? Yeah, I honestly, this episode, I feel like with overall context, was very hard to grasp just because we're like okay is this is he hallucinating is he actually in a psych ward and it's like no this is the underworld um or the afterlife I mean and we're supposed to he's just like processing and this is the best way that they can process it so you're like okay I get that but then are they on their way to die or are they on their way to get like you know come back alive so in this kind of context I really didn't know where it was going because in the beginning it's like no we need to go back to you know save the world and then towards the end it feels like okay he reached the afterlife so I don't know if I'm the only one confused but no you're you're pretty much right on the money I uh so I may have delved into some Egyptian lore on my own time, uh, Egyptian mythology. But no, I'm kidding. I, I played a, a Assassin's Creed Origins like five years ago. So I remembered everything about the Duat and the afterlife and the Field of Reeds. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So I was like going through literally last episode. I'm like, oh, he's in the Duat. And then they, they explain it in this episode. I was like, I was right. And then <laughs> so, but this whole thing about coming back to life, that's what I thought Tauret was going to help them with because I had read that she has occasionally guided souls um, back to life, I guess. So she said, oh, we can go through Osiris. And then that, that obviously doesn't look like it happens because at the end we see Mark in the field of reeds and Stephen is, rest in peace, he's gone. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. Oh, poor man. But yeah, Egyptian lore. Who says video games don't teach you things? Look, proof right here. Proof I yeah, I, I agree. I don't know. It's kind of because in the beginning, it's almost like, okay, well, I didn't think their scales had to be balanced to get go back to like, you know, come back alive. But then it was like, oh, we're already reaching the end of our destination. Your scales need to be balanced. And then they yeeted Steven. And I was like, oh, okay. So we're just we're gonna accept this. So I'm interested to see what happens in the next episode. I'm hoping it makes sense. 
and I'm not like left more confused like they just like kind of like like oh you saw all that yeah just kidding we're gonna come back to life I don't know so I'm on I'm in the camp that I'm I didn't really buy Stephen disappearing I'm like totally like oh he's gonna come back isn't he I mean come on you're you have to market Mr. Knight somehow. So, and it, he walks around Avengers Campus in Disney World <laughs> or Disneyland, so. Yeah, I think so as well. I just feel like he, we already have such a, not deep bond, but we already have bond with Steven. So I feel like they're not just gonna like eat him off the story and be like, all right, it's just Mark now. I don't I, like he's coming back this season though. Maybe no. in- post credits but maybe but then not this season I, maybe like in the climax of the, i don't know i'm not like obviously seeing this as a de- determined like fact. because the whole thing with the did and i know this is like this is slightly different because it's like fictional characters but like they integrate they go dormant whatever like they, they can integrate with other people so mark and steven can go together maybe that's what happened but i think the metaphor here is he's supposed to let go of steven in order to um because he was a coping mechanism for him in order to be able to yeah so that's why i don't think he's gonna come back now because i don't see how he i mean i can see him coming back but i don't see how yeah yeah you're right i think that's kind of like where the story's going is they want you to show that he's whole again technically speaking um steven was a coping mechanism that he's confronted all of his past do you guys think osiris will show up in the next one if that's kind of what, what they're going through is getting him through this path of Osiris. Like I was surprised we got any gods beyond Khonshu because of that one meeting scene and they were using avatars. I was like, this is just a cop out to not have to CGI like six gods or something. But we did get Towerites. So I'm like, oh, we're going to see Osiris? I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it like completely off the table. I would say there's a possibility because they've already introduced so much of the like lore so I, I don't know why not like why they wouldn't bring it on additionally so speaking of the gods though the, there was the the Moon Knight origin scene which I actually thought was directed extremely well I've always loved uh Muhammad Diab's uh direction on this series and this episode is no different the Moon Knight like origin scene was awesome and here Khonshu and he's like will you be my Fist of Vengeance, Batman. I mean, uh, Rise, My Moon Knight. I was like, oh man, okay, that is sick. Yeah, I, I, you know what? Shout out to Egyptian directors. I thought that was a really cool thing as well. I don't know if I uh, talked about it in the first episode, but I honestly, I'm, I've just been so happy being like the like these just like small moments of um with representation and I'm not even Egyptian so I would I don't even know how like you know they probably feel about it but I've been loving it he he's doing a great job I I honestly give you like a sense of pride almost I'm like wow you're doing so well so I actually have an Egyptian friend and he told me that everyone in Egypt is really proud of this guy for being on a Moon Knight show. And they are all very happy about it. And they were even happier about the way they presented Cairo as like less of the cliche, you know, Western, yeah. like, oh, look at the streets of that, that. And, um, and yeah, I was like, oh, that's awesome that, that you guys like are appreciating that. He also said it was funny 
because you can feel his influence specifically in the third episode because there's that random parkour scene they're like hey that's like egyptian tv and i was like that's so cool that they're letting him do that that they let the director come in and pitch them what he wanted to do with the series and do it justice I mean, come on, he literally directed the Egyptian mythology episode today. So that's awesome. Exactly. Yeah, it genuinely, that makes me very happy because I agree there wasn't Middle Eastern stereotypes and that was really what I was concerned about. And just even having like middle, like Arabic music be like playing during the episodes was so exciting to watch. I think like he's doing a great job and honestly, I'm happy that everyone else is proud for him because I am as well. And it just makes me so, so happy. Like, good job. I want him to do other Marvel stuff. And I hope he continues on with Moon Knight just so we can, you know, not lose that kind of Egyptian touch to it that, like, would have that sensitivity as well. So I'm hoping, here, you know, Marvel goes along that route. So I'm glad you brought up the music. That's another thing I've been wanting to talk about, obviously, because it's me. But the music in this series has been so, so, so good. And a lot of it does have to do with the fact that the composer is actually Egyptian. So he's bringing in the culture and it fills the, the world that you're kind of living in with Moon Knight, with musical life, which I always praise because you want that authenticity. You want to be able to feel like what it would actually be like without some Westerner doing their interpretation of it. And what I found so interesting in this episode is that the music was a lot darker obviously for the context but then the end of the episode is uh there's a mexican song and i was like what and it took me back back because i like understood the lyrics and i was like wait a minute what what's going on like i had to look it up because i was like is did oscar isaac like request this because he's you know he's guatemalan and uh well hold on i'm trying to remember he's half guatemalan half cuban i think uh yeah yeah, I I think I think so yeah and so I was like oh is this like a and then it was Mexican and I'm like oh well that's me so cool I I understand these lyrics very interesting and the lyrics are very like you know oh uh, it's a it's a gospel song so it's like very oh you know uh the sun rises and I already kind of forgot but but that's kind of the gist is the sun is rising and basically the afterlife so I was like very taken aback by that. I was like, whoa, whoa, Spanish, where did this come from? But yeah, I want to, I want to know if it was like Oscar Isaac's suggestion, because I mean, he is Latino and they haven't really shown any of that in this series, which is fine, because I actually think it's cool that they're making the character, which makes it ironic. Wouldn't you hire an Egyptian actor to anyways yeah yeah that's that's, that's, I like Oscar Isaac a little too much to complain but I know right but I'm also like really I mean at least we have Layla but yeah it's it's weird Um, then you have Arthur Harrow's just I mean it's Ethan Hawke but like anyways but besides side note (laughs) yes side note it's like uh yeah I find it interesting they haven't really touched on the Latino stuff which is fine I actually think uh it's not entirely necessary for this series at all uh, which that brings me to another kind of surprise thing. So people were complaining before the series came out that they weren't going to touch on um, Moon Knight's uh, uh, Jewish origins or anything. And they kind of did They're more of an Easter egg, really, than like a direct reference in this episode. But I mean, he wears a yarmulke in the flashback I know scenes. some complaints about that, but I don't know what they are. I'm from Jewish people, so I don't know what yeah. they are, but apparently it's not as good as they wanted. I don't know what it is. I'm not going to speak against them. I'm just saying 
Yeah. I've heard the same that it's, they're not very happy about it. I don't want to say even happy, but yeah, I've just heard some complaints and that's totally fine. Like obviously none of us here have any jurisdiction to speak about it, but I did think it was interesting that it was more of a reference than it was like an actual part of the story. And I don't know, obviously I can't really tell if I want it to be influenced in the story or not. Like, I don't know if it would be feel forced but again, that's just not my, not my like part to say. So with Miss Marvel, that's when I'll be wrapping it in real good. But yeah, I don't know. It is, it was interesting to see that they're combining all these references. Cause I did really like the Spanish song as well at the end. I do want like this um, multitude of cultures blending in rather than them just be like, we're going to pick one. And that's the only thing we're going to be good at. It's interesting then. I'm really kind of surprised that uh, they're getting all these directors and filmmakers from various cultures and letting them just roam free. Ever since like, I don't know, I guess we could say Black Panther because we got a lot of, uh, uh, with Michael B. Jordan, his perspective, um, which I found really interesting and directed, I mean, he's, he's an amazing director. So getting to hear his voice through the movie I don't know. I just really like that. And so the reason I brought up Black Panther specifically is because there's rumors that the sequel is going to have a uh, Latino culture in it because of uh, Namor. And so I'm over here like, finally, <laughs> like, like we've had Latino characters in Marvel before, but never like specifically a hero or like directly referenced. That's something that has well, changed a lot in media. But we Bad have... Bunny is about to be. Super oh, God, no, <laughs> don't even get me. Don't even get me started yeah, that's about but I, I think. Oh I my god! Funny. I, I wanted. I, there are so many things I could say about how wrong that is, and especially the fact that it's a like Z-list character he's playing. I'm just like, yeah. Well, I, see, I like Bad Bunny. I like his music though, and I don't necessarily know if the transition <laughs> from music to acting is necessarily. A good I can tell you a little bit about that. So I watched Narcos Mexico, and he cameoed on the latest season. And I say cameo, but he was in it till like right up until the last few episodes and he gets dies but spoiler (laughs) alert he uh he was okay i mean he he just has to play a gangster the whole time so it's not much of a like deep performance and he's a side character so yeah but he was all right so oh i mean there he (laughs) (laughs) we have some representation yay (laughs) it's like i mean yeah i have oscar isaac which is awesome but like for the actual culture and stuff, I'm, I'm looking forward to see what they do with Black Panther 2, because I'm just like, give me all that. Give me give me the new Falcon, Joaquin Torres, which they teased in Falcon and Winter Soldier. Give us, because I don't know, it's a thing in uh, Hollywood recently, because they they used to do this. I mean, you we've seen on this show specifically, they used to stereotype like anyone who isn't like straight up American or like white American. And the the problem with that uh, one of the main problems i found is with language um we even see it in this show a little bit when arthur harrow tries to speak uh, cantonese i think or mandarin which is like really but anyways uh it's language it always gets so annoying when you hear people try to speak spanish and it's like you can tell it was written by people who don't speak the language or like it was spoken by people who don't speak the language 
So things like that. So that's what surprised me with uh, this series. I mean, come on, you, you hired an Egyptian director, you better let him do, you know, the culture yeah. justice. So I, I'm glad, but yeah, I just wanted to get that out Rant. of the way. Yeah. <laughs> because like no. I said Mexican music in this episode I totally understand I think that there is a huge point that there are a lot of Latino like actors in Marvel but they don't directly reference the fact that they are and they don't have any culture or heritage behind it and I'm not sure if that's just because like they're ethnically ambiguous in the show oh yeah <laughs> or, or if they just kind of aren't ready to have a main like you take you know the forefront for it but I totally agree with you as someone who gets no representation it would be nice to see just like an ounce of it just like a nod to heritage and culture yeah so I'm with you I'm with you Gio we out here yeah but, we out here but it's minorities okay. minorities <laughs> minorities being never being represented it's okay. Oscar Isaac is the Zad. So I <laughs> I could go on a rant about Oscar Isaac. Love that man. So I guess we can talk about his performance in this episode because this was like it, it is like the WandaVision episode where we have Elizabeth Olsen just going crazy like with her performance in a superhero show. And now we have the same thing from Oscar Isaac, except he's doing it two times over because he's playing two different characters, which is like I love that. I I honestly think I I went on Twitter to like see what everyone was saying, and everyone was like, "This man deserves an award." Blah blah blah. I'm like, "Well, yeah, we already knew that. Like, he's done amazing content before this. Like, you guys just found out Oscar Isaac can act. Like, what?" But I I nonetheless, he did do an amazing job in this like particular episode but I I honestly expect it as much from him like <laughs> make my expectations high but I mean I've seen Oscar Isaac and I know that he has the capability of doing this role justice and he has he really has so that makes me wonder now that we're talking about this he just did the card counter last year uh, that's a more serious movie. Of course, no one watched it because no one goes to the theater for anything but blockbusters anymore, but that's for another yeah. day. Um, but the director of The Card Counter also directed one of my favorite movies of uh, 2019, uh, First Reformed, and Ethan Hawke starred in that movie. So I, I wonder if that's why he decided to reach out to Ethan Hawke. I know there's a story that they met at a coffee shop, but I feel like there's a little bit more to it. So and that makes me wonder if that mutual connection between them and this director. Um, I want to say his name is, I don't want to mess up his name, but uh, he, his style of direction is very much in the, in the wheelhouse of uh, both of these guys. Like they're very serious actors. And so that's one of those like performances, the card counter where it's like, Hey, do you want to see Oscar Isaac do something other than a blockbuster? Here's this or inside Lewin Davis uh, by the Coens. That's another good one. So yeah, yeah, that's Oscar true. Isaac is, yeah, he's amazing. So I don't know. I, I'm just like, I'm I'm surprised that they're like, you know what? We want to be superhero shows, but we also want to showcase how amazing our actors are. So let's let's let them go sicko mode for an episode, and then 
and then we can go back to the explosions yeah i honestly that's better like show me that these actors are here because they deserve to be here not because they're getting like some kind of nepotism and or like you know whatever which i don't think marvel necessarily has because they always pick like nobodies to do their superheroes but at the same time like show me why you picked that person that makes me more excited for the new characters honestly like um uh miss marvel she's new to the acting game and uh and then um trying to think who else I don't know why I was saying that when I remembered that all the actors that are upcoming are like big name actors. And I was like, wait a minute, Miss Marvel really is like the exception. <laughs> it's like, yeah, because I mean, they wanted to hire a younger uh, actor to portray the character correctly. So that, that makes sense. But then with all the other characters, like, oh, do you know so and such famous person? Because like with the Netflix shows, you got Charlie Cox, who now everyone Lo knows and loves him love charlie cox <laughs> yeah which is awesome i, I just I can't wait to see him again but anyways i just find it interesting that um they are getting all these like big name actors now whereas they did start off you're right picking no names like people were mad whenever they are not mad they were confused whenever they cast tom hiddleston and chris hemsworth yeah. as loki and thor and it's like look at them now and exactly. and they are getting more of a chance to shine too both of them yeah I'm yeah, excited for the new Thor. I mean, yeah, I I feel like those say, even Chris Evans to an extent, like he's yeah, that's kind true. of in the film industry, but he wasn't like well known or anything. There there's a lot of actors. I think now because they have that ammunition, they're just gonna like keep rolling out the big names so they can get people to like oh my god this person's now in the marvel universe and this person's now entering the marvel universe so that's why i think they're doing the big names now but they just uh read like obviously recently get um tom holland for spider-man who was also that's true and now he's like huge so yeah yeah that's that's very very true oh my goodness that, i don't know we'll, we'll have to wait and see because these young avengers they are supposedly going to be newer people. So far, we have um, the only major one is Kate Bishop, and that's Haley Stein. Everyone knows who she is. So that, that's like one of the few I could say isn't like going to be played by someone new, but there's still a few left we haven't seen yet. So you never know. So I guess the last major thing we can cover is, uh, I wonder, uh, Julia, if you know anything about this, is whether or not Moon Knight is going to cross over into the Midnight Suns because I know Oscar Isaac has talked about it and he wants to do it. Like I wonder. I don't know anything about that. Oh, you don't know anything? Yeah. Well, I mean, I know Midnight Suns is a thing that's probably coming. Mm -hmm. I just don't know who's in it. It seems. Oh, like, okay. That seems like we were talking a few weeks ago. I think on the first episode of this about where how all these characters are going to fit beyond their own projects, and not everyone I think can be an Avenger. I don't think. Um, so he'll probably be in the Midnight Suns if that shows up. So that makes sense. Um, it's just kind of like figuring that out. I don't know. Because like apparently this is a limited series. Yeah, like I found that interesting. Limited. My question with that is, yeah. do, you, do you think they're doing these limited series to like flesh out these characters in a better way than just an origin movie so that they could go yeah. into the movies? They can't, and plus they can't make like a million movies like for lots and theaters because it would get like, you know, 
So like these are these are like like I don't want to say bonus, but it's like more flushed out story than maybe is needed to get the movies, but like it makes them a better experience. And like it's like reading the book before you see the movie almost kind of not exactly like that, but like having you know being able to learn more about the characters that you might not get in a two hour movie if it's the Midnight Suns and there's a bunch of other characters because not everyone can get a movie. Um and some some aren't suited for movies. Although I think Moon Knight would have been a good for a movie, and I think Eternals would have been good for a show. So I think that I could have been switched. Um, but in general, yeah, I'm interested because this is the first origin show for MCU, and I'm curious to see how Ms. Marvel goes and how um, She Hulk goes and some other ones. We got Ironheart coming, although she's going to pop up for Ironheart. So we'll have a few of those coming up. Like Echo is getting a series; she's already kind of shown up. Like Agatha's getting a series; she's already been in a. So, yeah, these next two are, like, origin, origin, like, the first time we're seeing them. But I think it's going to work better, maybe, once we have the characters we've seen before that didn't get a lot of screen time, getting their own thing to being able to flesh them out. Because I don't know how much you can do with origin things. And it's the same with origin movies. You can really, like, I like it better with MCU when they show up with something else first and then get their own thing because we don't have to go through the whole origin thing. But, yeah, for Moon Knight, they did a pretty good job with that, I would say. But I still think it should have been a movie that was more suited to that. I'm actually inclined to agree, uh, mostly because the first few episodes feel like a lot of running around where it could have been easily done. Like you could have had a montage of like the first 20 minutes of the movie about Steven going to yeah. work and then discovering something's wrong. And then then they go on this adventure and it ends up like this. Although I do wonder how much they could have dedicated to uh, the trauma of their past and Stephen and Mark but you never know these movies are getting longer and longer but yeah I completely agree with that point and one thing I will say is uh if they ever are to continue this Moon Knight stuff I wonder if they're gonna do the street level stuff or if they're gonna continue down the mythology route which I think they are doing mythology because of the Midnight Suns they want to have this like supernatural side to the Marvel Universe but he is, I mean, they literally say at the beginning, or not the beginning, I meant the beginning as in when he first meets Khonshu. He's Khonshu's fist of justice, and then you see this room full of people he's killed. That's like, oh, wow. So the Moon Knight from the comics is has been around. Like, he's been on a rampage. It's just we don't get to see it because we're catching up to this specific story where there's probably going to be a blue light beam in the sky and a big world-ending plot, yada, yada. But... That's for the last episode, which I'm sure will totally wrap up everything in a satisfying way and won't feel rushed in any way whatsoever. So join us next week whenever we will discuss the finale to Moon Knight, the epic finale. And we will see if everything I have just said comes true or is subverted. For more Marvel content, head over to BoardwalkTimes.net or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at BoardwalkTimes. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review.